Welcome back to Questions You Didn't Ask with me, Naisha Frank, and this week's guest, Dr. Willie Parker, as we delve into the topic of reproductive justice, where the brother's at. Let's get back into the conversation. So I think that you touched on something that, you know, just kind of like tweaks my my another part of my nerd brain which has to do with biology and clinical trials and pharmaceuticals and different things like that medicine all of that you mentioned that there are some challenges um as it relates to those fields coming up with you know um effective methods of birth control that are reversible for um for men is there, can you, do you have any, um, you know, do you feel comfortable or would you be willing to share with us a little bit more about that? Like, how is it that it's easier to, or I don't want to even say easier, but they have figured out um, how to control a woman's uh, biological, you know, uh, reproductive cycle, but for men have not really um manage to make that innovation happen? Is there something, you know, at the root of our biological difference um, that makes this particularly hard? Or is it political? Um, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, y'all just want to control women because of patriarchy. And so you have focused more on that as opposed to um, really putting your um, intellect and skills and talents to solving this equally important issue for men? That's a very good question. I think it's, uh, it's uh, there's the there's the biologic piece and then there's the, uh, the uh, health resources and uh, health services piece of it. The mm -hmm. biologic reality is that the same control system uh, for ovulation and all of that for a female the exact same brain body gonad axis is controls um, for ma for males. The part of the brain that controls ovulation is also the part of the brain that controls sperm production. Mm. The difference is women are periodically fertile, right? Mm. When they ovulate every whatever the, the period or density of their cycle is, and men are constantly fertile, mm. right? Men are generating sperm all the time. And when there's a surplus, they, if you're a teenager, you might have wet dreams and your body will spontaneously release it. Or if you're sexually active, the production and the release is related on your sexual uh, habits. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the challenge also is the hormone that's essential for uh, sperm production, which is testosterone, is also essential for male libido. Now, mm. women have testosterone and men have testosterone. Testosterone. Women have a whole lot more estrogen than men do, and men have a whole lot more testosterone than women do. They each have the same exact same hormones. So the challenge for a man is to drop the is to since testosterone is the primary way that the sperm matures, uh, the uh, the the challenge for uh, controlling male uh, fertility in a reversible way is to be able to suppress uh, sperm production by lowering their testosterone levels enough that sperm uh, doesn't mature and get produced. But doing that in a way that you don't drop the testosterone levels low enough that they are impotent. Mm -hmm. 
So you can see uh, stopping a woman from ovulating uh, periodically is was is an easier challenge, even though the mm -hmm. systems are identical than trying to stop a man from being fertile continuously, right? Uh, mm. and, uh, uh, and so it really, that's the oversimplified version and looking at all of the points along the way where you can target uh, impeding sperm production uh, without impeding sexual functioning has mm. been the conundrum for the entire time that people have been continuously working on male contraception. So the other part of that is who's been sponsoring that. Most of the sponsoring of female contraception with newer devices and a different pill that all, all of them do the same thing, but a new one comes out every 27 minutes and now uh, different delivery devices. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the, the fact that all of that research and development happens in the marketplace means that companies that are preeminent in producing female contraception and maintaining patents that will allow them to make money from their research and development um, have the lion's share. They've had no vested interest in controlling the fertility of men mm -hmm. uh, because the societal expectation is that, um, that we are interested in controlling the fertility of women and preventing them from making the babies that societally we don't want to pay for, but also the agency of women, you know, uh, and, and limiting their ability. Uh, it's only been in the, in the, in the recent, uh, since the, you know, the turn of the sexual revolution, and at least during the, the start of feminism in a big way mm -hmm. in the 60s, that we even had research studies that were targeted specifically at women up until mm -hmm. 1973. Uh, we had no data on the difference in how heart attacks occurred in women versus men and what the symptoms were. And all of that came out of the need to do women's health research. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's the, so there's the, what's been possible has been a large part also a function of who controls research, whose, whose interests are protected, who's vulnerable, who's, uh, who needs to, uh, 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 um, have themselves uh, protected. There, uh, and so there's, you know, to your original question, part of it's been uh, social and institutional, even if it was unconscious, but part of it's been driven by the market. And uh, uh, there's no, there's also, there's, there's not been felt any need to control the fertility of men because that's one of the mm -hmm. primary ways that men understand their, their, their masculinity is fathering children. So it's a, it's intersectional. <laughs> right. There we go. There we go. Yes. Um, so I'm going to ask you a question about Roe v. Wade. All okay. Right? Um, and you know, this is all about the questions most people don't ask. Um, mm -hmm. And what I want to know is what do black men have to lose or gain if Roe v. Wade is overturned? Well, uh the 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 overturning of Roe uh to the degree that it'll affect men, it'll affect men by impacting the the women and pregnant people that they care about. There won't be any direct, you know, I've never been pregnant. I, I do abortions uh, uh as a compassionate act of healthcare. 
Uh, I've never been pregnant. Uh, the disappearance of Roe biologically and directly won't affect me, but it'll affect all of the women and pregnant people that I know and love. And the way it'll affect black men in, black men in particular, we've kind of alluded to earlier that uh, most black women who become pregnant, whether it's intentionally or, uh, or unintentionally, whether it's a desired pregnancy or an undesired one, most of those women become pregnant by black men. Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at the fact that abortions come from unplanned, unwanted pregnancies or wanted but lethally flawed ones, when you force a woman to stay pregnant, especially black women who uh, we don't provide adequate medically mm -hmm. accurate sex education, we don't provide access to uh, evidence-based family planning services, we prohibit access to abortion to a great degree in, in spaces where Black women will have access to them. We don't allow federal funding or public funding to pay for abortions so that we imperil them economically, uh, socially, and now we're going to force them to continue pregnancies that might take their lives. The other blind spot or the other, it's not a blind spot, it's an indifference as evidenced by the response mm -hmm. of a senator in Louisiana last week when he asked the question about maternal mortality in Louisiana mm -hmm. being abysmal. And he said, if you simply correct for black maternal mortality, Louisiana doesn't look so bad as if merely a mathematical correction in a, in mm -hmm. a, in a research question is how you deal with mm -hmm. racial and ethnic health disparities. Mm -hmm. So the, the fact is that when the women just like before Roe, the women who were dying disproportionately related to unsafe abortion were black and brown and poor. Mm -hmm. When we restrict access to, to abortion through the overturn of Roe, the disproportionate burden of suffering and injury and death will accrue to women of color and poor women. Most of those women who will be pregnant, who will have complications from unsafe abortion will be black and brown. And therefore, indirectly, this will be the impact on black and brown men. So mm -hmm. that's what men have to lose, their loved ones. What they have to gain, they have nothing to gain because the when we look at, again, um, reproductive justice and, uh, and black feminism, uh, one of the essential uh, differences between black feminism and, uh, femini and, and feminism writ large is that the expectation that there be joint survival and support and and, uh, and overthrow of oppression by black men and black women. So the well-being of black men is in a, irreversibly linked mm -hmm. to the well-being of black women. So black men have everything to lose that black women have to lose, uh, but it's only in the form of they'll lose partners, they'll lose mothers to their children, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's 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 the blind spot and the unintended consequences, but also the indifference of mm. what black men will lose because the indifference is uh, is built into the structural uh, racism and white supremacy of our country. Mm. So breathe. Yes. <laughs> Um, so many feelings, so many thoughts. Um, gonna go to my question. 
um, and then circle back around, hopefully, to something else that came up in discussion. I can't. I can't circle back around. Let's just go for it because go for it. the hair raising comment about if we just don't look at black women, Louisiana's mortality rates aren't that bad. Um, and then you look at, you know, the 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 fight to protect women's rights to choose um, if they're going to have a baby or carry a, a fetus to term. Um, you know, it, it it like most things and topics that I cover, I, I do what I am. These these questions, these issues have affected me and people that I love personally. And so you talking about, you know, what do we have to lose and gain? You know, daughters, aunts, mm -hmm. um, cousins, um, neighbors, friends. Um, and then I also think about what you're saying as it relates to how dangerous it is to actually carry a fetus to term and give birth to a baby. I did a show on infertility in the African-American community, and I asked one of the experts, it is, are we basically, are we oversimplifying what it takes to conceive a child, right? And I think that in the general public, most people oversimplify what it takes to carry a fetus to term and give birth to a healthy baby and for you to survive. Can you talk a little bit about some of the, I don't necessarily need to know common, but different things that can happen that might put a woman in a position where she should seriously consider having an abortion? Well, the uh, context in which pregnancy occurs, one of the, if we look at, if we just don't look at pregnancy as a, as a, a means and an end you know, unto itself, if we look at everyone and say that everybody who has the capacity to reproduce has to have a reproductive life goal, right? Whether that be to have children or not to have children, uh, and when we look at the reproductive life goal uh, of someone, if they don't want to become a parent, we have to look at the fact that modern methods of contraception uncouple primary sexual pleasure that all human beings are entitled to from uh, procreative processes. So when you can't, when you uh, when you can't. Or when you fail to contracept, whether it be you know you don't have the resources or means or the education to use them, and you have a pregnancy, you now have to think about the attendant risks of the pregnancy, and the risks related to being pregnant also have to do with your underlying health status when you become pregnant. So in that regard, every well person visit is considered a preconceptual counseling visit for somebody who's of reproductive age. And we know that because of healthcare disparities, because of economic disparities, the general health status and population-based health for Black people in general and Black women in particular means that many of them enter into pregnancy in a less than optimal health status, whether you're talking about obesity, diabetes, hypertension, uh, 
Uh, and these are some of the things that can be exacerbated by a pregnancy. So any of those conditions that are worsened by a pregnancy can determine how far you can go in that pregnancy and to whether or not that, that, that condition will worsen to the point of being life-threatening for you. And then we're not, we haven't even mentioned some of the, uh, the risks that go with directly with pregnancy, like pregnancy-related high blood pressure or preeclampsia and eclampsia when that becomes seizures and uh, those being uh, uh, risks for hemorrhage, for abnormal pregnancy uh, development and all kinds of things. So it's thankfully, when you look at how frequently uh, the death of a woman in pregnancy occurs, the denominator tells you how common it is. We think about maternal death in terms of per 100,000 live births. So that's way, way less than 1%. But what we can tell you is that if there are two to three million pregnancies happening every year in the United States, or two to three million births, there were also a, a large number of pregnancies. So that means hundreds of women uh, can die from just from being pregnant. So if you look at that, those conditions that can either be worsened because you entered into pregnancy in a in a less healthy state, those conditions that can be initiated or revealed during pregnancy, and then those pregnancies that are those conditions that are unique to pregnancy itself, uh, there can be multiple reasons for women from a medical standpoint mm -hmm. uh, to uh, consider ending a pregnancy. And that's just from, if we talk about risk to a woman who's pregnant, we haven't talked about abnormal fetal conditions. We haven't talked about uh, horrific abusive circumstances under which someone might become pregnant. But uh, as you said earlier, it's not, a, it's not a, you know, everybody sees a, a positive pregnancy test from the drugstore, and then they see a, a baby in a bassinet with booties and a bow in its hair or, you know, in pink or blue. There's a whole lot that happens in between that positive pregnancy test and that baby in the bassinet. And increasingly in this country, maternal mortality is rising and it's rising disproportionately for black and brown women greater than it is for white women. And it's rising for white women. Mm. The intertwine, the way that we're connected, right? Um, the fact that oftentimes in our society, we unfortunately forget that we are all human. And if they come for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. eventually they're going to come for you too. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that the they is still us is also disturbing. Mm -hmm. And as we think about, you know, who is the target um, and why, um, you brought up some very important things about the biology and the medical aspect of um, conceiving, um, carrying the term and giving birth um, that I think go unnoticed by a lot of people. A lot of people, when they think about, you know, abortion and things of that sort, if they're thinking about it from a compassionate, in my opinion, perspective, they're like, well, I'm worried about the woman who, like you said, has some sort of um, abusive environment that is affecting her and that caused her to be pregnant. And she does not want to carry on that experience for an innocent child. 
But then there are also some very, you know, some even harder decisions um, that might come from from a woman who doesn't have those types of experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and so there are a plethora of reasons why a woman would show up in your office. And I appreciate the fact that a lot of leaders such as yourself don't tend to hang on, well, what is your reason and why are you here? Um, it's trusting and knowing that the person that is in front of you, like you said, in your definition of feminism, um, is able to make their own decision and that you are there to respect that decision and to make sure that they receive um, the best medical care possible that they can, um, you know, have the outcome that's necessary um, for their life and well-being. Can I... Yeah. Can I throw a little bit yeah. of something in there with regard to the whole significance of reproductive justice as uh, we should probably make it explicit, reproductive justice differs from reproductive rights in terms of the, besides the intersectional and that's what makes it intersectional, it realizes that there are other things that go into uh, a woman or a pregnant person's decision to procreate or have a baby other mm -hmm. than just whether or not they are pregnant. There's the reproductive justice demands of society that we create the resources for uh, women and families to uh, procreate and have the resources to parent in a way that's dignified and respectable, that they have the resources to prevent the pregnancies that they want through medically accessed sex education and, mm -hmm. uh, and modern methods of contraception, that they have access to the ability to end the pregnancies that they couldn't or, couldn't or didn't prevent uh, with uh, respectful, compassionate abortion care services, and that they have the right to primary sexual pleasure. Uh, when we look at the fact that people always, you know, there are people who will say, well, why is she, why did she wait late if it's a later uh, abortion? Or why did she, uh, she could have, there's birth control. She could have used birth control. You know, mm -hmm. the, the research shows that uh, women who, have abortions often have more than one reason. There's not a solitary re reason. Mm -hmm. It could be an ill-timed pregnancy. It could be a failure to recognize. It could be a method failure. It could be uh, a one of the social circumstances. of. Uh, and most of the time, women have two to three reasons. If more than one reason uh, is operative in your decision to have uh, an abortion, Black women and poor women are more likely to have multiple multiple uh, 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 issues that uh, were operative in their decision. If you have more adverse circumstances in which you're uh, navigating your life, it's not rocket science to understand why black women and brown women and poor women have higher rates of abortion, but the absolute number of abortions are highest for white women because they are the larger population. So in terms of thinking about abortion in a more nuanced and, and less oversimplified way, um, there are multiple reasons why people come to need the same service. And our goal, it should be to get to the point where it's less important why a person chooses the end of pregnancy than it is that we be clear that they are aware of their options and they're sure that they want to. And when they make that decision, we should make sure that it happens in a dignified and safe 
and and an accessible way that is not disparate on the basis of your uh where you were born uh what color you are or what your zip code is mm -hmm. zip codes zip codes are important because a lot of what's happening um with this roe versus wade uh overturning would allow for states in particular to have more access to make decisions um uh, on a state specific level about whether or not they're going to allow um, abortion there or not. And so to even talk about, you know, classism um, in this space, um, you know, it has come up that if certain states do allow it, that say are more progressive or more liberal or whatever you want to call it, um, compassionate, how about that? Mm -hmm. Um then only those women who have the resources or are able to pull resources to get to those places would have access. And it's, 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 I'm, I'm making this point also because in my last series about, you know, parenting children with disabilities, zip code came up again. Um, it wasn't a planned talking point, but I think it's an important one to uh, make sure that folks understand how uh, population health, community health, the health of the place that you live um, can determine your health outcomes, um, along with what types of resources and class standing and social um, standing you have, um, and, and, and therefore how you're received. Uh, and I think that the social standing as it relates to how do people perceive you um, and, and whether or not they consider you worthy of that service when you arrive, okay, um, mm -hmm. can also have an impact um, in, in terms of your access to, re to resources and opportunities for health and well-being. Absolutely. When it comes to abortion, one of the, uh, the, 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 uh, the relevance of uh, looking at locale by uh, zip code and at the county level uh, when we look at ab abortion access uh, it was already sparse people were having to drive great distances to get care mm -hmm. over 88 percent of people live in a county with no abortion provider when we look at if we if we looked at this country by at the county level uh, and what that means is that uh, uh, the premise uh, of the Constitution is that sh there should be equal protection under the law. And yet the overthrow of Roe would mean that, you know, there are states like Oregon, uh, Washington State and California, where if you live in those states, you have ready access to your, your right to privacy and reproductive control. But if you live in Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, you don't. So in that, in that regard, your, 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 your essential rights to self-determination will be determined by your zip code. And then when it comes to, so there will be these states that we, we deem as haven states where if you can get to them, you can get access to these services. Well, when I worked in Mississippi where there was only one clinic in the state, the women from the Delta were two to three hours from Jackson, Mississippi, where the clinic was located. Mm. There were women who couldn't get from the Delta to Jackson, let alone trying to get from Mississippi to Oregon. So mm. in many ways, you know, the the great deception 
will be that, okay, women and pregnant people can get on caravans and get to the next state. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really just that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost like a holograph. It's, it's like a mirage because mm-hmm. most women don't have the resources, as you said, to travel. Um, there's the logistic concerns about who cares for your kids. Uh, there's, you know, how much will care cost in these haven states? Even if we try and lower economic bar- barriers, there are all the other logistics and concerns that go into uh, how how women will jump through the hurdles or, or clear the hurdles. And most of them, it will be for them, they'll stay pregnant. What we already mm. know from research about Medicaid with the Hyde Amendment, the impact of the Hyde Amendment around, which is the the federal law that prohibited the use of federal Medicaid funds for funding abortion. In states where Medicaid covered abortion, uh, it was those states using their own funds. But what we know about women who rely on public assistance for their their uh, their health care, when it came when you looked at those women in unintended pregnancies, well over thirty percent of women who relied on health care on Medicaid continued their pregnancies because they had no other means of funding an abortion. So you had unintended pregnancy resulting in uh, 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 unintended. Uh, responsibilities to continue to 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 parent Mm -hmm. with limited resources simply because you couldn't use your usual source of health care coverage to get the the health care that is abortion thank you for listening to our podcast questions you didn't ask with me naisha frey and my guest this week dr willie parker tune in next week for the conclusion of our discussion on reproductive justice where the brothers at 